0: Hello, and welcome to Top Down Brain, RX Chill Pill Podcast, a podcast that boosts your resilience just by listening. Resilience is about bouncing back from setbacks by adapting and learning so you can thrive through life's challenges. Your time is precious, so I work to deliver research-backed tools to boost you and your family's resilience. Each of the episodes strive to leave you with an action or meditation prescription that you can apply immediately to your life. I'm Dr. Juna Bobby, a board-certified physician and mom of two amazing kids, and my purpose is to make the neuroscience of wellness accessible to you and your family's everyday life. Because when I became a mom, I wanted to do everything possible to empower my children with healthy mental and physical habits. This wasn't something that I had growing up, so I had to learn how to create a healthy and happy home life. I'm definitely not aiming for perfection, but I can honestly say that the mind-body skills I learned transformed my family's life after years of training i fully transitioned into teaching mind body medicine leaving one of the most prestigious private practices in new york city so i could dedicate my time to creating and teaching the science of resilience my almost decade-long experience teaching high-performing students of all ages have now led me to the creation of my newest courses plan to soar and soar under pressure to make these tried and true courses widely accessible I'm rolling them out with partnering schools, organizations, and online for individuals on mindbodyspace.com. A portion of all proceeds go to those students in need. Today, I have Jacques Steinberg, the author of The College Conversation, a practical companion for parents to guide their children along the path to higher education. Jacques Steinberg is a college admissions expert, and Eric Ferda, his co-author, is an Ivy League dean. So, the authors, instead of adding to all the books on how to get into college, they decided to write a step by step approach to having tough conversations around this topic with less stress and more success. Jacques is a New York Times bestselling author and an award winning New York Times journalist whose knowledge and passion for college access, equity, affordability, readiness, and success has most recently led to roles as a senior leader communication strategist, advisor, and board member for several national nonprofit organizations. Hey Jacques, how are you? Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Juna, it's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to have you talk to us today about your newest book because you are a veteran author and you're a New York Times best-selling author, which I already spoke about in your introduction, But you have a new book out, it's called The College Conversation, and you wrote it with Eric Ferda, who was a former admissions officer at UPenn, right?
1: Yeah, so Eric is the former dean of admissions at the University of Pennsylvania and the former executive director of admissions at Columbia University. And he's just, in addition to being a fabulous person and, and professional, just a tremendous resource. And so the subtitle of the book is a practical companion Mm -hmm. for parents to guide their children along the path to higher education. So Eric and I teamed up to create um, a series of conversation starters and exercises for parents, as well as adults and other mentors in a young person's life Mm -hmm. to sort of be there of support to them at each step in this process that, of course, you and I have both gone through firsthand with our own children, um, as well as- I still
0: have one to go.
1: Yes, you do. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and also, um, of course, uh, as applicants ourselves. And so we wanted to be helpful to in whatever situation someone was in, but particularly trying to imagine someone who, unlike you and I, um, not only hadn't gone through this with a child before, but maybe hadn't gone through this as an applicant themselves. Maybe that child was a first-gen college applicant. So we imagined every scenario and, and tried to just provide ways that parents and other adults and, and kids could just talk about this process, which is, of course, so anxiety producing and so bewildering and it doesn't necessarily have to be Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. and i hope to talk to eric uh one of these days also um i
1: think he would enjoy that
0: yeah that would be great so so the book is really for anyone right at any point like what age group are you aiming is this book uh meant for so how old are the kids when the parents should pick up this book
1: you know, so it's obviously very personal, um, and, and tailored to your family, but when you're pregnant? Um <laughs> we certainly um we certainly don't want um elementary school parents to pick it up.
0: Okay. Good to know. <laughs>
1: Our professional belief as co-authors, Eric and I, um, is that you know, for elementary school kids, uh, take this book, put it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on your child, um, some of these early conversations can start in middle school in terms of preliminary, um, but they certainly don't necessarily have to. Um, the process, of course, really starts to gear up you know, beginning in the sophomore year of high school Uh and and then in earnest in the junior year. but, um, you know, for a child who, who wants to talk about this late in middle school or, or in, including someone who wants to aim for something really competitive or specialized, mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly those academic decisions that are made on courses between eighth and ninth grade, mm-hmm. um, they can be a factor, particularly for a kid who's interested in something like engineering. Um, and so not a must have. But those early conversations can start then. I guess the the cop out answer is that it uh, it depends on you and and your child and their sensibility. But as we talk about in the preface of the book, we imagine a parent picking this up late in middle school or early in um, high school. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I guess I would have to add to that, you know, having been through this with a child who had a special gift uh, of music that he started very early in music. And I'm not, sh- I'm not saying that this book is geared towards that, but I do think that it behooves a parent to actually notice if your if their child has a certain gift or certain propensity or are drawn to something. And that could start as early as elementary school, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, so there's there's the difference between the college conversation right. and, and sitting down with your third grader <laughs> and saying, okay, let's start your list. What
0: I mean is like yeah. by fifth, sixth, seventh middle school, we had to pretty much decide whether he was going to continue sports or not. That kind of thing we did have to, you know, plan out a little bit. So I guess that's a little different from what you're talking about in this book, which is basically just um, practical aspects of getting ready and and having these choices, right? Like, there's so many choices.
1: Yeah, and, and certainly the book, it talks about um, academic life and intellectual interests mm-hmm. and inside the classroom. But it it spends quite a bit of time on outside activities and, in particular, um, gifts and talents and passions. And to your point, um, you know, for, for, for a lot of kids, we see elementary, middle school, in, in terms of activities outside the classroom, mm-hmm. as, as a period of sampling, of, of trying things on. What do you think? Is it, uh, is it sports? Is it music? Is it the visual arts? Is it, is it something else? Um, that it's a sampler, and, and doing it for the sheer sort of joy of experiencing mm-hmm. it. But, um, but we also say in the book, to your mm-hmm. point, that there comes a time, particularly I think in that transition from middle school to high school for some kids, um, younger kids, as you say, where, where sometimes some choices have to be made. Look, it's, uh, there's only so much time and, and, um, and there are, are lots of objectives and things to accomplish. And of these activities you're doing, which are the ones you want to focus on and, and why? Mm-hmm. And so we, we do sort of facilitate that conversation as well. In addition to building up some expertise mm-hmm. and perhaps some leadership, mm-hmm. First and foremost, that it that it's enjoyable, that it's satisfying, that it's engaging. And, and you and I are talking about sports and arts. Um, let's not forget uh, community service mm-hmm. and yeah, that's uh, big. And, comu- mm-hmm. and community engagement mm-hmm. and 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 making time to give back to your community in some way and to others, again, not because you think it's going to impress Eric ferda uh, <laughs> but because uh, but because it's kind of the right thing to do. and And it also feels good. Yeah.
0: And, uh, but then again, I have to add, I'm going to be the devil's advocate that it doesn't always feel good. And you're not always going to love things, especially if you're doing something at uh, a higher level, right? <laughs> just...
1: Yep. Yeah, no, no. Some, I, I, that, that is a yeah. fair point. And, and please, throughout this conversation, be the devil's advocate. <laughs> there is no, uh, there is absolutely uh, no one size fits all to this process. And also, when so you get to as... a certain
0: level of doing something extracurricular, I mean, there's always going to be that point where you're like I I don't want to do this I have too much to do and you know and that's when that grit comes in where you have to kind of stick it out and you do have to tell your kids you know you're not going to enjoy every minute absolutely I guess we already touched on this but we were going to talk about holistically you you're you believe in the whole child holistic method which is awesome when do you actually think you should start thinking about it then And I know one size does not fit all, but if you're looking at a top-tier school, um, when would you start looking?
1: Yeah, and and so I I love your use of the word holistic, you know, sort of whole person, whole child, Mm -hmm. because um, it maps nicely to the admissions process. So ultimately... Mm-hmm. Um, a young person who applies to college is going to be evaluated, considered in, in all kinds of uh, ways, uh, you know, almost a, a mosaic of, of sort of representations of who they are. Some mm-hmm. of them are grades, some of them are test scores, some of them are activities. Um, what you write in an essay, what your teachers and counselors say about you, and That is known as the holistic admissions process. And it it also maps to the the, the holistic approach to sort of looking at a young person. So now we're shifting to actually beginning the college process. And in Mm -hmm. the book, Eric and I talk about what we see as sort of five basic phases Mm -hmm. of conversation between young person and adult. And they are Mm -hmm. self-discovery, search, uh, the application, The decision, which is both the colleges make decisions and then you as a family make decisions. Mm -hmm. And then really, really important, as again, you know firsthand, as do I, um, transition through the end of the first year of college. Um, So what period of time does that arc take? I I mean, certainly we want those conversations to begin um, no later than junior year. Um, but for for that child who who wants to get going and, and is looking forward to, to looking at colleges, uh, maybe the you know checking out some colleges the spring of tenth grade or the summer of tenth grade. Um, know your kid. Is it uh, is that going to be overwhelming and stressful to them, um, or are, do they have the emotional maturity to to start uh, you know sort of embarking on that process? We try to 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 provide some guardrails and. And sort of ways to have that conversation to sort of make those determinations
0: together. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the idea of, you know, nurturing that whole child first and then really leaving, um, choosing and making that list till very late? Because that's kind of the approach I was taking. What do you think about that approach? You know, I'd rather the child match the school than for me personally, than to look at a whole bunch of schools and try to fit into a mold of a school that you know you might choose to be the one
1: it all depends on your child and i hope that answer is <laughs> pop out, but, but eric and i have a series of exercises uh-huh. that we sort of suggest you as a family go through either your child in conversation with you if they like or in conversation with a peer or another adult or a counselor or a teacher but regardless, to your point, we think there is some groundwork that should be undertaken before, uh, well, before the building of a college list mm-hmm. and then getting on the road to take a list mm-hmm. look. So, for example, in the self-discovery phase, mm-hmm. we have an exercise we call the five eyes which is really um, just sort of having your child, if they're game, sort of look within mm-hmm. and um, and try to sort of articulate to themselves and hopefully to you or others, what is their identity? Sort of how do they see themselves? How do others see them? You know, in terms of intellect, how do they approach the acquisition of knowledge? Is that something that they find exciting and, and engaging and rewarding? Um, do they sort of lose track of time when they do research and read? Mm-hmm you know, ideas is the third C. What do you think about and, and what are some of the opinions you hold dear? Interest, what do you like to do with your free time? Inspiration, what motivates and, and, and moves you? Mm-hmm. Whom do you admire? And so that that there's nothing in that exercise that has anything to do um, with getting in the car and, uh, and, and going to look at fill in the blank college. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's a follow-up act, you know, exercise where we, which we call the 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 four Cs, mm-hmm. which are now it's the attributes of the colleges. Now you're getting a little bit closer. Now that you've got that, hopefully, knowledge of yourself, mm-hmm. um, what about the colleges? So, um, what's the culture at that institution? What's its history and and mission? Um, how does it resonate with your child, you know, as a potential applicant today? What, um, how is that mission evolved over time and, and representative on campus? The second C is curriculum, you know, beyond just majors and programs, or even whether certain courses are required. What's the, what's the design and aim of the courses uh, that, that your child might take over four years? Ah, uh, really important C is community. You know, who are the people who make up the campus and what do they value? What's the vibe? How competitive is it? And then finally, conclusions, which is like what happens to kids when they graduate? Do they go on to grad school? Do they graduate? There are some colleges in this country where, Fewer than half of the kids graduate in six oh years, if you can believe it. And and those data points are knowable. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only do they graduate, do they go on to grad school? Do they do they go on to the job market? And um, not not unimportant. Were, were they happy with their experience at that institution? And the fifth C, of course, is cost, and uh, and that's a big one yeah. that we think families should talk about early because. Uh-huh. Um, for some families, it's not a luxury to, to indulge all these other C's, that, uh, that cost is going to be determinative. So our feeling in, in the college conversation is that exercises like these, whenever they are undertaken, mm-hmm. but certainly no later than um, the junior year, ideally, will, will prepare students and and families for the process of them, um, you know, starting to assemble a list, including in consultation with uh, counselors Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then ultimately um, setting about to visit and, and with any luck as the pandemic continues to recede more and more of those visits um, can be in person.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's pretty comprehensive. And um, I think we are on the same page. You do uh, stress, development of yourself first you know and then and then yeah, to and, look and and the, yeah and-
1: and for, and, and development of yourself for the sake of developing yourself. I mean, we have a basic philosophy in the book, which is that all these things are an end of themselves. Of course. And if they're all being done, again, to impress an admissions officer or get in, um, then um, that that would be sort of narrow. What if those activities were rewarding, engaging those courses in and of themselves and Um, In the process, one learned enough about oneself as a young person um, that they could start to think about how they could leverage that experience um, in a higher education setting.
0: And, of course, try to get into the school that you want to go to. They can have all those ands. It doesn't have to be an and or. Uh,
1: Certainly not. To your point, if if, as part of these exercises, At no point in the process thus far have have we talked about, you know, talking about specific schools. Mm-hmm. But if in the course of these exercises, hey, I'm looking for a really sort of selective, prestigious, you know, institution that, uh, that just that happens to have a, a, a very uh, low admission rate then, um, you know, doing things like making sure that you're challenging yourself in your curriculum, um, not necessarily maxing out uh, to the point that you end up hospitalized, (laughs) of course, but that there's evidence that, you know, you are seeking out, you know, at least some rigorous academic experience in your high school and challenging yourself and being successful in that setting. So, um, I mean, I laugh, if,
0: if, but honestly, what you said is um, kind of sad, but it's true if you are if you're pushing yourself beyond your limits, then even if you get to that place, maybe it's not the place for you, right? Because then it, it's not going to be your match.
1: I, I agree. and and but also for a number of years, um, the admissions process at highly selective privates mm-hmm. emphasized, you know max out on that rigorous curriculum just as, just vacuum up as many of those APs as your high school offers mm-hmm. and the messaging is a little different now it's you know let's see evidence that you seek out a challenge academically and 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 that you can do well in those settings but you know it 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 we are not looking they will tell you for um, foot uh, on the pedal to the floor, a hundred miles an hour every day for four years. That they realize that uh, you know there's um, there's a book called the stressed years of our lives, mm-hmm. and it's just about all the anxiety and other mental health issues that uh, are experienced by this cohort, both in uh, in high school and in college. And uh, the the admissions offices are seeing those books too, and uh, and hopefully. Um, are conveying, you know, be sure to to find moment, take that foot off the gas um, for for your own well-being.
0: So high achieving teenagers are now a risk category for um, depression and anxiety in their own risk category now.
1: Yeah, and 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 look, I I, as with so much in admissions, uh, a a lot of this is confusing and contradictory. Hey, you're telling me that fill in the blank. Thank you
0: for saying that. Contradictory. Yeah. This
1: this look, and you know, if you're talking about a college that has an admission rate of less than six percent, that means that you know close to ninety five percent of the kids who apply are not going to get in. Mm -hmm. I mean how can that not be a source of stress uh, for an applicant? I mean, I I can understand it, but um, if your child is able to build a balanced list with colleges of uh, various degrees of selectivity, that most important, um, all of which appeal to them because they've done their homework and they can, as best as possible without going and attending, can see themselves at those places, um, that can be a happier experience. And it's, it's really important to know that most of the colleges in this country accept almost everybody who applies. That uh, that the average admission rate uh, for colleges in this country is is over sixty percent, six o percent. But it's I, I get it that there are uh, young people who are very interested in those four dozen or so um, highly selectives that turn away far more applicants than they accept. And so, the you know, one of the keys is to be realistic mm-hmm. and, uh, and to have balance.
0: And flexible. Be flexible in your mind. And, and
1: flexibility, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I would argue as a parent is, uh, you know, if you haven't learned that life lesson by then, um, maybe that's a good opportunity to do it. But, uh, you know, you talked about contradictory. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that... Um, you know, nobody should enter into this admissions process um, thinking that it is fair, mm. um, that that's not anybody who's being honest doing this work mm-hmm. would never, you know, fair would not roll off the, the tongue. Mm-hmm. And that's because how could you possibly design a process that is fair? It, it ultimately depends on your definition of merit. And if your definition of merit is, you know, perfect scores on the SAT or ACT, that's great. Um, studies have shown that those uh, exams can favor uh, students whose uh, whose parents are well educated, who come from high socioeconomic backgrounds, and as we learned during this pandemic, um, it can favor kids who have access to to the test, which is not has not necessarily been easy this mm-hmm. year. Um, so um, you mean you know, cheating? Our, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean I'm talking about oh, the pandemic. Oh,
0: you mean uh, whoever got to take that, it? Yes, yes. It was yeah, canceled. Yeah, there, there was
1: huge economic disparities in who got to take it and also don't forget tutors so no uh, you know the, the how would you possibly define a process that's fair give it because all of us have different um, definitions of merit i mean i feel strongly that there be a part of this process that acknowledges Um, young people whose families, whose parents didn't go to college and who didn't have those advantages Mm -hmm. and who there has to be a way for, for them to not necessarily have to go head to head with those kids um, who had every advantage. And so is it fair? No. Um, Is it comprehensive Um, and, and broad? Um, I think in, in many ways it is, it's certainly not perfect, but uh, it does take account of, of, as we've discussed that whole child, that holistic, uh, a sort of rendering of, of who a child is. And it does give them the floor to, to make their case for admission.
0: So that whole child picture that they get, I was going to ask you about this. So, you know, obviously somebody who's been excelling at many different things over the last four years of high school and and probably middle school, they develop sort of a, an application where they have letters of recommendation and grades and extracurriculars and they can make a whole picture of that person. Is that how they, you know, I mean, how, how much can they tell? Because obviously it's on paper and you can look good on paper. And like you said, if you're taking every single AP and just pushing yourself to the brink and doing all your extracurriculars, but there's that kid who's pushing themselves to do that. And then there's the child who does that easily And it comes so natural to them so how did the admissions process you know distinguish those two people
1: um i used the metaphor before of of thinking of that portrait as almost like a mosaic imagine that stained glass window Mm -hmm. and with the sun you know the light coming through it and um and the different pieces of that mosaic and 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 what how they come together uh to make a piece of art and that's the college application um it's that transcript with uh, four years of grades and 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 a sense of what those courses were and how you did in them. Um, it's it's what your college counselor says about you. It's what two of your teachers say about you. It's what you say about yourself in an essay. What and in that essay, um, which is one of my favorite parts of the process as a writer. Mm. <laughs> um, who who are you? What do, what do you value? Um, why? What are those experiences that sort of made you who you are? What do you uh, hope uh, to, to accomplish while you're in college? What what do you hope to get from that experience? What do you hope to bring to that experience? And uh, yes, what, and, and what activities do you do and why and, and at what level? To what extent are you a uh, contributor to your community and how? Um, that's a pretty robust portrait of a young person mm-hmm. um, and and the essay in particular, and those teacher recommendations can really sort of help someone come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, uh, you know you mentioned uh, that I've written other books and and my first book twenty years ago, was called The Gatekeepers, where I spent a year watching the admissions office at Wesleyan University admit a class. And I saw a process that was really um, Uh, fascinating it was the people doing this work are so dedicated and they care so much about access Mm -hmm. and they're so aware of the precious sort of gift that they have in their possession which is access to a higher education Mm -hmm. and all that can mean for a young person and so they look at all those elements of that young person and and then they look at um, the community they are trying to build in their institution Mm -hmm. and so they want that first-year class uh, to be almost utopian. I mean, first of all, very practically, um, they they need a, a, a cellist in the orchestra, they need a second base person, they need uh, reporters for the newspaper, mercifully. Um, <laughs> they need kids, as they see it, from all over the country and all over the world, and and kids from backgrounds uh, that are the first in their family to go to college, and and others who may have been uh, fortunate to be part of families that have going to institutions for generations, and um, and so they're looking for specialists and generalists and high flyers and 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 maybe kids that had. Um, no small number of disadvantages but uh, but managed to overcome those and and so it's it's really really messy um, but uh, but every applicant gets the floor um, to make the case and then these choices become of course imperfect if it's at one of those institutions where the admission rate is in the single digits of course they could fill their class several times over with outstanding kids who would maximize that experience and do well with it this is a really precious resource, uh, at least at those highly selectives. Mm-hmm. And um, there's only going to be room for so mm-hmm. many. That process of selection is going to be uh, most certainly imperfect and unfair, but it will be thorough and comprehensive. And, and young people and their families should know that these applications are read. It's not a case of, uh, you know, that they put them all, uh, you know, print them out and throw them down the <laughs> stairs and whoever, uh, whoever's application goes far, they're wins. <laughs> Um, and they don't that, they don't put it uh,
0: through a sieve of just uh, scores and GPAs. No, no, no. That's no. great and, to and know. Particularly
1: at yeah, particularly at the privates uh, at the private institutions, there are not cutoffs. Mm. In part because, um, for those students who do submit a standardized test score in these times where at least temporarily those scores are often optional because of a lack of access mm-hmm. to the test. Mm-hmm. The score of a young person um, who has had arguably every advantage, you know, it says on the application that parents have advanced degrees and, and, and they look at zip codes and they do make some assumptions, fair or mm-hmm. not, um, versus a student who clearly is coming from a community that is not college-going um, and who is representing in the application that their parents didn't go to college. Um, th- uh, you know, in, in a case like that, a, a test score would be evaluated differently. So they so do ta-
0: weight the test scores, kind of. They, uh-huh.
1: I wouldn't say weight. I would say they look at them in context. That's nice. And, um, and they make certain assumptions. Hey, uh, I assume you're from this zip code, and uh, I'm, we're going to assume, given what you say your folks do, that uh, there's probably been some coaching here. And, and maybe there hasn't, which is, again, unfair. That's unfair, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but there's certainly going to be an expectation of uh, for for students with every advantage a, a hope again, we're talking about there's a a, a universe of more than two thousand four year colleges mm. and and many more community colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking at this point about those four dozen or so. It's such a small constellation within that universe, but I understand that for. For many in your listenership, um, those are of interest. And uh, and so um, it's important to know that uh, that's sort of how the process
0: works. And even more so with the articles uh, coming out now saying that the top colleges are waiving whether you're going to submit your uh, scores or not because of the pandemic. So it has opened up an increase in the number of applicants in general. So those numbers of acceptance have gone down even more. <laughs>
1: Well, let's let's talk for a moment about test-optional admissions.
0: Yeah. That was my next question, actually.
1: (laughs) And so if we were talking pre-pandemic, if we were having this conversation two years ago, I would say to you um, that of those more than 2,000 four-year colleges in this country, um, at that point in time, probably more than 1,000 did not require the SAT or the ACT for some applicants. Think about that for a moment. There were over a thousand colleges in this country where you could build an amazing college list several times over, and your child would not have to submit a standardized test score if they didn't want to. You know, I would probably encourage them to take the test as long as it it wasn't too overwhelming an experience because at least they would have that data point and that option, but they wouldn't have to submit it. And think about for those kids um, who don't like tests, who don't test well, who, who frankly, um, you know, who are in that sort of part of the test-taking universe that uh, may not do well through no fault of their own, but because of uh, lots of external circumstances, um, it's possible to go through this process even then without um, submitting those test scores.
0: Did that, inc- now, the pand- did that include like the top 50 schools that you're talking about?
1: It, it didn't include all of the four dozen or so most highly selective, Mm -hmm. but you would be surprised at those that were in Mm -hmm. there. So for example, Wesleyan University, where I spent uh, my year as an observer for the gatekeepers, um, in the time since I was an observer Mm -hmm. there, um, they have gone to test optional Mm -hmm. admissions. You know, Mount Holyoke College, uh, Muhlenberg College, Mm -hmm. Bates, Bowden, and Colby. These are just off the top of my head, but uh, the, the, but they are certainly, this was pre-pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Can they 100% trust that they will not be put in a different pile like, oh, this pile has no exam scores?
1: All I can tell your audience is that these institutions are adamant um, that when they say a standardized test score is optional, mm-hmm. Um, and will not affect uh, your uh, your application. If you don't submit a score, that that won't be held against you, that they mean it when they say it. And but if uh, you
0: submit an awesome score, it will work for you though. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have, take any scores at all. I'm playing devil's advocate again.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, the, the word is optional. So first and foremost, I belong to a professional organization called the National Association for College Admission Counseling, NACAC. It's an organization of more than 23,000 admissions professionals. And, and they've had um, petitions go around that mm-hmm. schools that are test optional have signed and they've attested, um, we will not hold it against you if you don't submit a score. Mm-hmm. Now, your question is slightly different. Mm-hmm. If your score is excellent, mm-hmm. um, by lots of different measures, and there's lots of different measures of excellent, but uh, let's assume that it's excellent, um, and, and you want to submit it at a test-optional institution,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that institution has said they will consider that score as part of your application. So, mm-hmm. um, the so whole, it could work for you. The, mm-hmm. there, there is certainly the possibility that it can work for you. What, what really changed during the pandemic is that Um, nearly every college that still required the SAT or ACT Mm -hmm. um, said during the pandemic we are going test optional there are so many kids having trouble accessing this there are crazy stories of kids in one state uh, you know flying halfway across the country or driving to take tests um, risking their health No, Mm. no one should risk their health or their Mm -hmm. family's health um, to take a standardized test to apply to college and so um, all of those highly competitive selective schools Mm -hmm. including the eight institutions of the ivy league Mm -hmm. um, for the first time were test optional this year and many institutions have already said though not all but many have said for next for next fall, so for the students who are currently juniors, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that they will be test optional once again because um, we're still not out of the woods with the pandemic and there are still inequities and, um, and issues.
0: What are the chances that they're going to do away with it? I mean, there's been talk about that over the years, right?
1: You know, I, I do believe that uh, some institutions will make these, pol- these policies, test optional policies, permanent. Will, will others seek to put the genie back in the bottle? We'll see. I mean, the colleges will tell you, some of them will tell you that it's a helpful piece of data um, in, in sort of putting a young person in context and, and, and also in predicting, perhaps, how they might do in the first year. So there are some institutions who like them, uh, these standardized tests. There are others that, um, where you know, this will be probably the end of the road for uh, required uh, tests.
0: I have a hypothetical question for you. There's a lot of kids who have done something very intensely before the pandemic, for example, dance or music or sports. And then maybe over the pandemic, um, they were, they had to isolate or they were just not able to continue at the same degree or same level that they were participating before. And maybe they had some second thoughts about it. What do you think about, uh, Switching tracks in your junior year and moving on to something different or, you know, withdrawing or quitting something that you've been doing for many, many years, let's say, at a very, very, very high level. Do you think that that would affect you or would you say, like, stick it out if you can? Or would you say, you know, let's do real soul searching and see what it means to you and why you're why you're changing? I, I like both of those answers, so maybe you can weigh in on which one you like better.
1: Well, there's so I would separate it into two parts. The first is you know, I, I, it's a natural question for many people in your audience, particularly those who are parents of juniors. What is an admissions officer going to think of fill in the blank extracurricular development as a result in part of the pandemic? So let's set that aside for a second all kinds of activities uh, have been interrupted and momentum lost um, and and inability to do things um, as a result of the pandemic. And and to your point, I'm sure in many instances, it's, hey, wow, now that I'm not doing that, kind of like that I'm not doing that, or (laughs) I, I lost so much ground in fill in the blank sport, I worry about being able to get back to where I was and or but as you say, maybe this was a moment for reflection. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the more important question is for, for parents and other adults to work with young people to sort of um, ask those questions. And and frame them and 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 let them know that uh, interests change and, and and people change and priorities change and mm-hmm. and are you doing this for the right reason whatever that might be or is there something else sort of underneath it but first and foremost, um, thinking of it in that context, mm-hmm. then um, after having that conversation, think about well what you know this is an admissions process that at least prior to this year has prioritized. Uh, activities outside the classroom. And the reassuring thing I can say to your audience is that these admissions officers live in the same world we live in. They know that life in every way got paused for the last 12 months, Mm -hmm. and that uh, students' ability to do activities outside the home and in school suffered terribly. Whatever your story, um, whatever happened, uh, whatever you weren't able to do, whatever you chose to no longer do, Um, I I would say there's gonna be understanding and and just the sort of communicating and messaging of that is gonna be critical. Also, if you had that soul searching moment um, that you no longer wanted to do X, did, did you pivot and, and pick up why and, uh, and, and, and how did that experience go and what did you learn about yourself? And, and, and so it's all sort of what you take away from it. But uh, uh, there are a number of families, particularly parents and juniors, that are worried about extracurriculars. And I would say, at least as far as the college process is, the, the colleges get it. And, um, and you'll be able to tell your story as will uh, you know, your child will be able to, as will their counselor.
0: I, I love what you said because first it's about the person and, you know, what their experience is and why they're changing or pivoting. And then there is that, you know, added dimension of what did you pick up or what did you find out about yourself, you know? So one thing ends, and another thing begins.
1: You know, it's like these kids' brains and sensibilities, they're, they're growing and they're changing and they're learning and they're having experiences that are that are helping them reevaluate, as you say. You know, wow! I thought at age twelve that I wanted to do this. When I'm thirty-seven now, I don't think I want to do that at all. And so,
0: there's <laughs> or an, in my uh, case, at age forty-five. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so it's. I think these admissions officers understand uh, the teenage brain and the teenage sensibility, and that uh, this is all about you know sort of growth and 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 maximizing gifts and talents and engagement and. and that that's uh that's a moving target and and any admissions officer who didn't sort of get that you know i'm not sure that that's a an institution that your child would want to be at but i can assure you Knowing these folks, having been talking to them for over 20 years, they're all about the understanding of a young person and growth. Mm, and, uh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a self-selecting group that does this work.
0: That sounds like amazing work. I would love to do that work. <laughs> okay, so let's recap
1: really sort of intentionally as families, taking a number of big steps back. What are the goals of this process for your child? Um, what do you and they think success looks like? What, um, where where do they want to be, um, you know, with the hope that they will feel sort of happy and fulfilled and um, and that those sorts of questions asked at the front end um, can can yield uh, you know a, a very very happy outcome at the end with the with the expectation that this process is doable if families sort of keep perspective and and you to use your word keep flexibility as well.
0: through the entire process all I did was uh, look up stories of people who succeeded and you know in many different definitions of success right their happiness and um and showed my kids like where they went to school definitely not everybody went to the top schools you know and that was what i emphasized all the time and i always even to the end said you know it really doesn't matter where you end up it's just what's right for you but of course on the other hand i do encourage you know competition and going for what you really want for yourself so go for it but then if things don't work out exactly the way you want it to or plan it to be, then that's where that resilience and that adaptability comes in.
1: Yeah, I, I think so you can look- do both. This doesn't have to be an either or. And again, yeah, exactly. families are going to go. Families are going to go through the exercises that we have in the book, and and, and young people are going to find themselves. Some of them with uh, a list, uh, hopefully balanced, but uh, but with some um, some sort of aspirational reach schools. Um, there are fabulous experiences to be had at those and many of those two thousand four four year colleges and universities. But ultimately, wherever you go. What are you going to do with that experience as a young person? How are you going to take advantage of it? How are you going to grow and learn and learn about yourself and position yourself for success in life? Um, that um, what you do with where you are is is arguably more important than where you are?
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Jacques. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And I'm so grateful that you and Eric Ferda wrote this book, The College Conversation. Thank you, Jacques.
1: Thank you, Juna. Great questions.
0: Jacques Steinberg is a college admissions expert. And Eric Ferda, his co-author, is an Ivy League dean. And you can find out more about the book and about Jacques on JacquesSteinberg.com. And the link will be in the show notes. You can shape the content of this podcast by letting me know what topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. Just go to mindbodyspace.com forward slash podcast to opt in. When you opt in, you'll get extras from episodes like cheat sheets, worksheets, and special tips just for our newsletter subscribers. You'll also get information on our neuroscience powered planner and online courses plan to soar and soar under pressure for kids, parents, and educators. Please share this podcast with anyone who believes in the scientific method and are curious about natural ways to boost performance, health, mental and physical resilience for themselves or their kids. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Dr. Juna wishing you and your family wellness.